All right, if we could, let's begin to find our seats. And just for public knowledge, we don't have trick-or-treat at the house of God. We just have treats. So. Um, I have one of those voices that's very, very loud, so I'm going to try to get him to bring it down. And I get louder as I go, so I apologize for that right up front. Um, I'm very excited about what I want to share tonight. <clears throat> We've got a long way to go and a brief time to get there, but I think you guys are up for it. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up your word, open up our hearts, Lord, we pray that we will be changed by the Spirit of God into that same image that we're beholding, Jesus Christ. And Father, we just thank you for it and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, familiar verse. To everything there is a season a time for every purpose under heaven. Say everything. everything. To everything, there is a season. That's a double-sided coin. If you're going through a bad season, that's good news. It's a season. It's come to change. If you're going through good things, it's not so good because the event is going to change too, and we're going to have to go through stuff. It's just the way life is. To everything, there's a season. To everything, there's a time. Timing is everything with God. And then he said to everything, there's a purpose. I'm going to answer the number one question. Every person in here has asked themselves this question, and maybe even this week. It's the number one question around the world, male and female, rich or poor, everywhere. This is the number one question. Can anybody guess what it is? Why am I here? Kudos. Free vacation on me. Why am I here? It's interesting because intrinsically we know we have value and we want to know we have purpose. This scripture should solidify in your heart. You are not here by accident. Everything has a purpose. From the trees that receive our carbon dioxide and turn it into oxygen for us, to the worm that eats the dirt, that makes the fertilizer, that makes the tree grow. Everything has a purpose. There is nothing that God has made that doesn't have a reason for being made. If you're taking notes, write it down. There is no insignificance in the kingdom of God. Everybody has a significant part to play. Everybody is significant. There are just thousands upon thousands who the enemy has convinced they're insignificant. But there is nothing that God creates that doesn't have a purpose. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to answer the question, and I promise you it will help you if you will just take it at face value. I'm going to give you the reason you are here, and then we're going to work at it on three different levels. Are you ready? Here's why you are here, to have impact and influence. You are created to make a difference. Everything God created, He created for a purpose. Its reason for being on this planet is significant. We were just now beginning to realize if an animal goes extinct, the, the repercussions of that in other ways. If we take an animal that wasn't supposed to be over here and we transplant it, it changes the entire ecosystem. We are just now beginning to see how significant little changes of things are. Everything has a purpose. You were created to make 
a difference. I love the Hebrew culture and their mindset and their love for God. And we can learn a lot about how we should live by looking at the Hebrew history and how they saw things. But they have a phrase called tikkun ulam. And it literally is translated in simplicity, the restoration or repairing of the world. And they believe from the time they are little, they are taught that a part of every Jew's life, a part of everyone who's a follower of God, is to seek every day to repair the world in some way, to make a difference that brings restoration to this world, to have a mindset that I want to make things better. I want to make things better, not just for my kids, but for my neighbors and for others around the world. They have a mindset that says, what can I do to make this world better. And every day they seek to fulfill that role. I think that's something we as Christians ought to take to heart in, is that God wants us to make a difference and better our world every day. And it is not as hard as the enemy would love for you to believe. You can change your life just by a smile. Ginger and I were at Walmart here just yesterday, and the lady at the counter was real not happy, can I say. She wasn't smiling. She'd probably been through a whole lot that day. Who knows all the stuff. That, you know, people are really just kind of selfish. And if you try to serve people on a regular basis, you can get beat up pretty bad in a day. People, they, that, that's not what I wanted. I didn't know it was going to cost that much. And they just give you a hard time. And Ginger said something on the way out. She says, sometimes I think my purpose in life it's just to make somebody smile. You know, that sounds real simplistic, but there's a power behind that. Red Skelton said he felt his place on this earth was to make people laugh, and I think he succeeded at it very well. Our world is filled with sorrow and hurt and pain and loss, and if you can make somebody's day a little bit better by a small smile or a hug or just an encouraging word, that's powerful. We are all created in simplicity. You were created to make a difference. Now, let's take a look at the, at the big picture. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Most of us have a hard time believing we make a difference in our family, let alone the earth and the world. But God has called us to make a difference. And I'm going to show you how to do this. It's really... It's powerful. In the big picture, you were created to make a difference by being salt. Now, I don't know about you, but I like a little bit of potatoes with my salt. I love the fact that salt makes a difference in food. I think I've said it here before, but I'm going to say it again. Every analogy, acronym, metaphor, whatever you want to call it, that God uses to talk about us in the Word of God Light, salt, witness, leaven, you just witness, whatever it might be, every phrase he uses to describe us as Christians has to be applied to make a difference. Did you know light is more powerful than darkness? When you turn the light on, the darkness has to dispel. When you turn the light on, there's never this little ball over here that goes, I'm dark and I ain't leaving. It, have you ever seen it? 
Have, have you ever seen a, a box of dark that said, I'm not going? Have you ever seen a rectangle? Have you ever seen anything that represents darkness when you turn the light on? The only place darkness can come is where the light doesn't hit. Light is more powerful than darkness, and we were meant to be light in our world. We were meant to make a difference. Leaven, a little bit of leaven, leaven's the whole loaf. I don't know if you know this or not, but God is smart. Can I get a witness? God is smart. And God has hid you in a loaf of bread. That's called your job, by the way. That's called where you shop. That's called where you get the bargains. That's called the, the, the garage sales that you go to. God doesn't just openly put you there and go, now here's light, you're going to... No, He hides you. He puts you in there as a worker. You have a job. But that light will always dispel darkness. That salt will always change the flavor of the food. On a big scale. Now listen to me, saints. We just went through an election. And man, that's, that stuff wears me out. The, the build-up to it, you get so sick of it, and now there's the build-up after it. All the stuff that people are analyzing. Here's what this means, and here's... Oh, shut up. I get tired of it. Can I say to you, it doesn't matter who we elect or who we don't elect. That's not going to change and fix our world. What's going to fix our world is the church being the church. Is the church yielding to God and being light in the darkness. Us being willing to be a witness where we are. Now listen to me. What's the two things you've been told you can't talk about? Religion and politics. Now, what are the two things that have the ability to change a nation's direction? Religion and politics. Listen, I don't apologize for talking to people about politics or religion because it's the devil that has convinced people you can't talk about that because the only ones talking about it now are the people we don't want talking about it. So we have to be willing to speak up. Hey, listen, I've been through this whole book, literally several times, I've been through this whole book looking for who does God use? Who, what's the qualification for being? What does this book say qualifies you to be used? Are you ready? Write this down. Showing up. That's what it takes to be used by God. A willingness to be here I am, God, use me. I, I was over our maintenance over the entire Durant campus for years and years. And we used to have what we called work days. And we would get ready for our jubilees because they used to be at the Durant campus. And there were hundreds of things that needed to get done the weeks before jubilee. And so we would have two weekends in a row where we worked all day Saturday and trying to paint and fix sidewalks and all that kind of stuff. And you know what's interesting? I was never able to use anybody that didn't show up. Imagine that. The only people I could use were those who showed up, and they weren't actually the most qualified. There were people who were electricians that could have done that wiring way better than the people that did it. There were people who painted for a living, but they didn't show up, so they had to use me. I've never been able to use anybody that didn't show up. You want to make a difference? Be willing to live out loud. Be willing to be light in the darkness. Be willing to take some persecution. See, we all love that. 
You're salt. Salt makes a difference, but it has to be put in to the food. Light has to be turned on for it to make a difference. Leaven has to be put in the loaf before it makes a difference. That's what we were created for, to make a difference. I don't know if you've read it in your Bible or not, but everywhere Jesus went, He created two responses, revival or riot. I mean, we've bit into this thing where we don't want to offend anybody. Are you kidding me? Have you read your Bible? Jesus offended people everywhere He went. He made people mad. He healed people and made people mad. Can you imagine that? And that was in the church. Thank you for your thunderous applause. I'm going to keep saying it because I'm right. Why are we so afraid at offending people and making people upset? They're not afraid about offending us and making us upset. The only people talking today are the people we don't want talking. So on the big scale of making a difference, having impact and influence, we were to be salt and light. Now think about where our, where our nation is right now. Just think about how far it's gone from the Christian values. And think what it would be like if you and I weren't opposed to it. See, you got to see, making a difference doesn't mean that it's always going to go your way. It means that you resist it from going farther than it would go without you. We have to speak up. It doesn't matter whether they change or not. If we were taken out right now, if all of the Christians were removed and all that was left is darkness, there is no telling the kind of evil that would show up tomorrow. We are the light. And we need to shine, and we need to oppose, and we need to be willing to live out loud. So on a big scale, we're salt, we're light, we're leaven, we're to make a difference. Jesus said in John 1.4, it says about Jesus, it says, In Him, John 1.4, in Him was life, and the life, this was in Jesus, was the light of men. You remember we used to sing the song, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, does that mean we glow? Does that, that, does that mean when, when we walk outside tonight, we just light up the sidewalk? And No, what he was saying is, our light is the life of Jesus being let out. Now let me tell you something, everything you need to change this world is on the inside of you. It's like ragu, it's in there. What we need to do is be willing to live out loud. We, we need to be willing to pray for our food no matter who it offends. We need to be willing to bring our Bible to work and read it no matter who it offends. We need to be willing to say, God bless you when people sneeze and not apologize for it. We need to be willing to let God's life on the inside of us. Answer me something. How many atheist hospitals do you know of? Atheists don't do hospitals. Christians do hospitals. How many atheists send missionaries to help other countries? None. Christians do that. That is how we have impact in our world on a large scale. We live out loud. Just being alive in God causes some people not to be as bad as they would be without you. You know, people get, even in your own home, we, we, we want our kids to do right. We want our kids to live right. We want our kids to follow Jesus. We want our kids to pray. We want our kids to see Christ in us and live that out loud. But if they go astray, 
we get all condemned because what did I do wrong? But I'm going to just ask you to think about something. What would have happened if you weren't there at all? What if you hadn't poured into him at all? I know what happens to kids who have no Jesus. See, the enemy tries to convince us that we're not making a difference because we don't see things going the way we want. But I promise you we're making a difference. I promise you if all the Christians were taken out of this planet, there would be so much evil tomorrow you can't even fathom it. So on a large scale, we just need to let God's light shine and make no apologies for it. Now, I'm not talking about being stupid, okay? I'm not talking about getting up in a restaurant. I'm fixing to pray for my food. Everybody shut up, please. Oh, sit down, shut up, and color before you hurt yourself. That is not what God called us to. But if you pray for your food, and you just pray for your food like you're at your house, just let people deal with it. That's living out loud. It's not being crazy. It's not, in the name of Jesus! I've laid hands on Church of Christ folks. I've laid hands on Baptist folks. i laid hands on people who don't even believe in God. And I've never pushed anybody all the time I've done it. I go to the hospital. I say, can I pray for you? I've only had one lady turn me down. One lady. And I prayed for her when I left. But I said, can I pray for you? Yeah. Let me have your hand. And they'll give me their hand. Now, guess what I'm doing? I'm laying hands on them. We need to be smart when we live out loud. We just don't need to apologize for being a Christian. The world has convinced us that we need to be quiet. We, we, we don't need to rock the boat. Saints, I don't want to rock your boat. I want to blow a hole in it where all you have to do is cry out to Jesus. Amen? So we're supposed to be living out loud, making a difference. Now let me narrow it down to the next level. And it's so sad that I actually have to teach this in our day and time. But part of the way you have influence and impact, part of what you were created for is to be male and female. Males were created to live a particular way. Women were created to live a particular way. And our world desperately needs men to be men. Our world desperately needs women to be women. You know, on my worst day of being a man, I'm better at it than Ginger is, my wife, right? And on her worst day of being feminine, she's better at it than I am. I was created by God to have masculine impact in my world. And I do not apologize for it. I am not your average preacher. You slap me, you better duck run and bring your lunch. We're going to be here a minute. God didn't save me to make me a coward. See how quiet it gets? We're like, I, I can't believe you said that. Want, want, want me to say it again? God didn't make me a coward. He didn't save me to make me a sissy. God made me a man, and he gave me a warrior spirit. Now, let me give you a scripture. Write this down. Give this to you boys. Job chapter 40, verse 7. Now, I have to preface this. He's lost all his children. He's lost his cattle, his business. He lost his home. And his wife has said to him, just curse God and die. Boy, I'm, that's the support I want. I feel like, man, I could do anything now, hon. All this is gone. And then his three friends, if you can call them that, absolutely blast him. And in Job 40, God says to him, 
Job, stand up like a man. Think about that. Stand up like a man. Don't stand up like a woman. Stand up like a man. There's nothing wrong with a woman. I want you to hear me. Women stand up different than men do. He says to Job, stand up like a man. The word stand up literally is translated, get prepared for battle. Stand up, put on your armor, get ready for the fight. And then he says, like a man. The term like a man is interpreted like a valiant warrior. Men were created with a warrior spirit. Men made brave heart a number one movie. Not women. Men. Listen, I have friends who have told all their friends, don't you bring any weapons over for our children. I don't want any play knives. I don't want any play guns. My kids are not going to grow up with any of that kind of stuff. And then boys will chew a cracker into a gun and shoot their sister across the table. (laughs) It's in them. He can't help it. Whenever they watch the shows where the guy slays the dragon and wins the fair maiden, something on the inside of every boy says, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. Where's my sword? You couldn't watch. After the movie, they're making a sword out of mama's broom. It's in them. And we try to beat it out of them. We can't figure out why they're messed up. They were created with a warrior spirit to fight for their home to fight for their marriage, to fight for their country, to fight for the faith. I do lots of weddings, not as much as I used to anymore because I've raised up other people, but I I did this wedding and the brother and the sister were walking down the center aisle with the candlestick lighter. Have you ever seen those? Got the flame on the end, got the little hook. And you, you light it, and they were walking down, and down here was the candelabra. They were going to light these 16 candles or whatever it was. And I could see it coming. This boy's about eight years old. His sister's about 10. And he's walking, and he's looking at this sharp, pointy thing in his hand. And I could, I mean, I'm watching. I, I'm fix, It's about to happen. And sure enough, he got down to right about there, and he went, wow, like that, to his sister. <laughs> Made her jump and scream. I'm like, it's him. You can keep all that stuff from them if you want, but there's something in them that says, this is what I was created for. I'm not going to apologize for being masculine. I'm not going to apologize for having a warrior spirit because it's part of what makes me a great leader in the kingdom is I'm fighting the good fight of faith. And let me just tell you men something. All your physical prowess will not help you in the battles that matter. It will not keep your kids off of drugs. I don't care how strong you are. It will not hold your marriage together. I don't care how big you are. I don't care if you can karate chop six two-by-fours and split them all. The devil will laugh in your face. The battles that matter are a warrior spirit in the faith where you're willing to stand and pray and believe God for your marriage and for your kids and to walk them through the difficult things. I've had to walk my family through loss of children, through loss of friends, I've got a church full. I do 40 and 50 funerals a year sometimes. And those things are painful. And I don't care how strong you are in your own physical strength, it will not help you when the doctor says you got six months to live. 
It will not help you. But God made me a warrior. I remember when my son had just give up. He was tired of all the operations, tired of all the medicines, tired of all the things. He just he wasn't going to take any more. He wasn't going to let them do any more. My wife called me. She said, you need to come up here. Michael's done. He's just, he's just give up. And so I drove from Durant, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, walked into his room, and he tells me, Dad, I'm, I'm done. I'm not taking any more medicine. They're not going to do any more operations. I'm done. I said, son, let me tell you something. You're a man. Everything in you knows you can't just give up. You know on the inside that giving up is not what men do. We are warriors. We're going to fight this battle, you and I together. We're going to win this thing. And I just talked to him for about 20 minutes about what it is to be a man, what it is to face difficulties and trust God. When I got through, he said, Dad, you always know the right thing to say. Yes. I walked out of there. Where's my sword? Where is it? Where's the dragon? As I'm driving home, I get this text from my wife, and she says, I'm so happy I'm married to you. <laughs> Just do the happy dance. Because you have to fight. That's what men do. They're created. That's why God could say to Job, stand up like a man. Get ready for the battle, because that's what you were created for. And we need women to be women. Have you seen the women who are trying to look like some Navy sailor? Everything in you goes, what is wrong with that? Because you know it's not. We need women to be feminine. That doesn't make them not courageous. You try to raise kids. You go to work. You stay home with that three-year-old. And you'll find out what courage is. You help talk the daughter through a boyfriend that hurt their heart, and you'll find out what courage is. Just women are courageous in a different way. Women look at life different than men, and we need women to teach our young daughters how to be women. We are not the same. I don't care what the world tells you. We are not the same. Men and women are different. You will never hear a man say, does this make my butt look big? It just isn't going to happen. You will never see a woman jump on another woman, put her in a headlock and give her one of them rubs on her head to show affection. We're different. We need women to be women. In Matthew 23, 37, Jesus says, crying out over the city of Jerusalem, 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 how long I've wanted to do like a mother hen and bring you under my wings. But you wouldn't do it. You would have nothing to do with it. God is not male or female. He's both. And He created women to be women. And you women, you make a difference in your world when you just walk in a feminine way. When you don't try to be a guy. You ever see a girl dip? It's the grossest thing on the planet. It's not that men make it look good, but women, it's like, oh, they weren't created for that. Am I making my point? I mean, can I, can I move on? Because I could just feel the, the weight of, I, I need you women to be 
who God created you to be and not try to be like a man. And I don't need men to try to be like a girl. I, there was this teaching going around not too long back that men needed to get in touch with their feminine side. I, I don't mind that at all. I got a feminine side. Her name is Ginger. And I don't mind getting in touch with her at all. That's exactly right. She was taken out. We're different. Whatever male is, it's different than female. And God created us to be separate, to be different. And we need to walk in our God-given male and female characteristics. Period. Our world is in trouble because women are trying to be men and men are trying to be women. It's all jacked out of place. You know how you be a light and make a difference? Be a man. Be a real man and don't apologize for it. Be a woman, be a real woman and don't apologize for it. And then lastly, how am I doing on my time? How much, Mom? Ten minutes. Okay, you have to listen faster. Lastly, the next level. You as an individual are to make a difference, to have impact and influence. In Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through the end of the chapter and the beginning of the next chapter, Nehemiah does the impossible. He rebuilds the wall in 52 days. And the real miracle of rebuilding the walls in 52 days is there was no miracle. There were just people who did their part. I would encourage you to read Nehemiah chapter 3 in the Message Bible or in the, um, maybe the Passion Translation or something because it's so articulate the way it's said. It's talking about individuals who just did what they could do. And nobody said, well, why did I have to do 60 feet of it and Bill only had to do 30 feet of it? Nobody argued about that. Nehemiah talked him into do what you can do. And what's interesting is when you read it in other translations, they weren't, they weren't wall builders. Some of them, the Bible says, they were perfume makers. They didn't know how to do brick and mortar, but they built the wall from here to there. There's other places where it says this man and his daughter built the wall from here to there. It was just people. One of them said there was this mayor of the town who built the wall from here to there. And everybody did what they could do. You want to make a difference in the world? Do what you can do. Don't worry about trying to do what I can do. You do what you can do. Hun, you can sing. I cannot. I need you to sing. The man playing the guitar. I can play the guitar. You play it better. I need you to play. That's what you can do. But we have such a tendency to overvalue what other people can do and undervalue what we can do. It's amazing to me. Most guitar players wish they could play the drums. Most drummers wish they could sing. Most singers wish they could play the guitar. And on and on the rotation goes. We have this tendency to overvalue what that person can do and undervalue what we can do. And I'm just telling, I'm here to say, just do what you can do. Maybe you can't build 60 feet. Maybe you can only build 30, but build 30 with pride. And let God call somebody else to do 60 who can do 60. Everybody did what they could do. And the miracle was there wasn't any miracle. The miracle was people just did their part. People accepted the challenge. 
And when they rebuilt the wall, they rebuilt the very character of the nation of Israel. They found themselves built up again. You got to do what you can do. John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus said this, talking to God the Father, I have glorified you on the earth. And then he's going to tell you how he did it. How many want to glorify God on the earth? The rest of you need to get a checkup from the neck up. He said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. You want to glorify God? Just do what God called you to do. Start out by being male. If he called you to be male, just be male. If he called you to be female, just, be, just start there. He said, I glorified you by finishing. Nobody cares how you start this race. They care how you finish. I have finished the work you gave me to do. All my life, I got in trouble for talking. Because they didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know it was a gift. They didn't know God wanted to use it. On my report card, Lee's a good student. He gets good grades, but he talks too much. And my dad used to spank me for that. Imagine that. I remember when I got my first paycheck from Victory, I called my dad up. I said, hey, dad, guess what? I just got paid for what you used to spank me for. <laughs> there is a God in heaven. What did God call you to do? What, what work did he give you? Just do that and you'll glorify God. The bird glorifies God by doing what the bird was meant to do. Sing. He just sings. He didn't care if anybody's listening. He was created to sing. He sings. The fish swims. On and on. The bee buzzes. We love the bee for what it can do. God loves the bee because it's a bee. And the bee does what the bee can do. Do what God called you to do. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him, the devil. You and I. This is God's DVR. Anybody got a DVR at the house? I love DVR. Because I can tape the game, and then if I know my team won, I can watch it without any up and down emotion. I mean, in the fourth quarter, we can be losing, and I don't even lose my cool at all. Because I've, I know I win. So I can watch it, and when they fumble the ball, it's like, oh, man, they fumbled the ball. If I didn't know we won, I'd get all crazy. about They fumbled the ball. They get paid millions of dollars. They can hold out of the ball. Revelation 12, 11, he's telling us how we did this. How did we overcome the devil? Here's what he said. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That means we got saved. By the word of their testimony, and loving not their life even unto death. Here's how you individually have impact and influence. You tell your story. You let people know what God is doing in your life. Don't worry about the faults and the flaws and the things that aren't right. People aren't looking for perfection. People are looking for authenticity. I have a great marriage, but because God stepped into it. I don't have time to tell you how messed up our marriage was before God got a hold of it, but we were miserable convincing ourselves we, we're going to get happier if we just drink a little more. I don't know what your story is, but your story matters. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. People need to hear, you can get delivered. People need to know there's freedom in Christ. I have the man that led me to the Lord, his son, never drank, never smoked, never went to an R-rated movie. He lived his whole life in the church. 
And he comes to me at 17. I was in the ministry by then. He comes to me at 17. He says, I wished I had a testimony. He's thinking because he hadn't done all these things, he didn't have a testimony. I said, son, what I wouldn't give to have that testimony instead of the testimony I have. And I've convinced him that his story needed to be told. He has written me, it was before emails, he wrote me and let me know how many people had come up to him and said, thank you for sharing your story. I thought I didn't have a testimony either. I don't know what God has done in your life, but whatever it is, it's a life-changing testimony. You need to share it. What God has done with your children, what God has done in your marriage, what God has done in your job, I got to spoke to you, whatever it is, that's how you have influence and impact. You want to know where heaven touches earth? This, the Lord actually showed me this today. You want to know where heaven touches earth? It's in you. Write down 2 Corinthians 4, 7. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. We have this heavenly treasure in earthen vessels. God has placed heavenly treasures in earthen vessels. That's you and I. Heaven touches earth in us. And God has placed us amongst people to have influence and impact, for them to see the good in us, to them to see the treasure in us, whatever that might be. You were created to make impact, to make a difference. Anybody ask you anymore, do you know why you're here on this planet? You can look at him with bold and say, yes, I do. I was here to make a difference. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Period. I'm done. I found out a long time ago, going longer doesn't make it better. It just makes it longer. Whoever God has put you amongst, wherever you work, whoever's in your neighborhood, you are there. I'm not. They may never meet me in this lifetime, but they see you. And when you show up, when they've lost their job with a sack full of groceries, or when their son is sick and you go to the hospital and say, can I pray for them? What do you need? You are having an impact that I will never have. God is smart. It amazes me about the church, how the church has this tendency nowadays to find somebody in need, bring them to the church and say, okay, here, Pastor Landon, this person needs food and a place to stay and needs some counseling and I'll see you later. And they think they've done their Christian duty. Now, let me ask you something. What if God was smart? What if God really knew what he was doing and he put you on that corner at that time so that you could be used by God to change a life? It's not hard, saints. It just takes a willingness. I literally have a half a dozen testimonies of people who didn't commit suicide because I made a simple phone call. I just felt impressed. I can't say it was a booming voice. I can't say I heard God say, call Bill. I just didn't. I just felt this urge and I couldn't get rid of it. I just need to check on Bill. And I would call and there'd be the silence of the, on the end of the phone. And then Bill would say, I was about to take my life. And this phone call put me on the right path. I just asked God, if you love me, please let somebody reach out to me. And then I felt bad that it took me a couple minutes to work through the phone call. That's what God wants to do with you. You were created for purpose, and that purpose is to have influence and impact on your world. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.
I waited to see if this would go away, and it just won't. I felt like I wanted to do it during worship, and I just I couldn't, couldn't get a grasp on it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> we sang this song, Jesus Changes Everything. We said it over and over again, Jesus Changes Everything. But I kept getting this thing in my heart that says, there are people singing the words, but they really desperately need God to change the thing. And we Christians, unfortunately, we should be the best at taking off facades and just being open and honest, but we're actually the worst. We think we need to tell everybody, I'm too blessed to be stressed, but you're on all kinds of anxiety pills, and I'm just on and on it goes, seeing three therapists. It's just sad. And I felt the Lord say to me, there are some people here tonight who desperately need God to change the situation in their life, but they, they just don't know how to say it. So I'm going to ask you to be bold. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is between you and God. I'm the only one that's going to see it, and I'm, I'm just going to pray. But you're going to have to be honest. You're going to have to be willing to say, pray for me. Because what happens to the church is, the God who can change everything is unable to change anything because we won't actually give it to Him. So I'm just going to ask, if there's something in your life and you desperately need God to change it, and you sang the song, but you really, really need God to change the situation, and you want to, in humility, say, that's me. Pray for me. Would you just lift up your hands so I know? Thank you, Lord God, for honest hands. Thank you, Lord God, for honest hands. I see those hands. You can put them down. Father, in the name of Jesus, those aren't just words for us, Lord God. That's a battle cry. You change everything. Lord, you took us from darkness and put us in your marvelous light. You delivered us from drugs and alcohol and poor marriages and poor decisions. And Lord, there's a real enemy on this planet who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we present to you tonight, we, in the spirit realm, we bring to the altar that situation we need changed. And we say, here it is, Lord. At the cross, the price has been paid for those things to be changed. And Lord, we lay it at your feet. And we have a grateful heart tonight to know that if we lay it before your feet, that you are well able to change everything. And so, Father, we speak victory into that situation. Because you said in your word that Jesus Christ causes us to triumph in all things. So we are victorious. We thank you that as we leave that at your feet, we walk away renewed in our heart that we win. Thank you for changing the everything that needs to be changed in the lives that have been represented here. For those who may hear this later, for those who may be seeing this later, their situations, we thank you, Father God, time and space are irrelevant to you. You can change something around the world. If our, if our children are around the world, you can change the situation now. So we send the word, and we thank you that your word says that when they sent the word, they were healed from that very hour. We send the word, and we thank you for being for us and bringing victory in our situation. And we walk away today knowing the victory is ours, and we are grateful, and we are thankful. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.